Hi, I'm Dan Cottrell, editor of Rugby Coach Weekly. You're about to jump into one of our podcasts. If you want to find out more about this podcast and also all of the great content, drills, activities, games and advice on the website, then go over to www.rugbycoachweekly.net. I hope you enjoy the podcast. First of all, we don't definitely need to beast them. I think, though, what we need to be clear about is that performance and welfare is a very delicate balance that you're walking along and you certainly want to take them to the edge, but you don't want to take them over the edge. Rugby Coach Weekly presents The Coaching Knife, where we cut to the root, cut out the fluff, and challenge the masters of their domain to cut to the chase. Welcome to The Coachy Knife, where we cut to the root of the matter. In this episode, we speak to Tom Carter, Head of Athletic Performance Australian Women's Seven. Focusing on high-performance coaching, we're going to cut to the root on why high-performance coaching is different to normal coaching. Tom, are you ready for the knife? Absolutely. Excellent. What do you mean by high-performance coaching? I think high-performance coaching is you're just executing your coaching at, at the highest possible level. So, uh, sorry, sorry, just a second. So you're, so you're saying you're executing the highest possible level, but if I'm a normal coach, I'm doing it at a normal level. Well, you're aspiring to be at the highest possible level. For us, for example, for the women's sevens, it, it is an Olympic Games. For another coach, it might be winning their championship or league. But but high performance in my mind, for, for me, is relevant, is, is obviously coaching in the Olympics and, and playing on a world stage. Yes, absolutely, it's relative to each individual coach. But uh, in my instance, this is probably the high performance is, um, is winning medals at the Olympics. So when you're trying to win medals and you don't win a medal, is it the player's problem or your problem? No, it's the coach's problem. Ultimately, I think your job is to help, you know, the Latin term from coach is to lead someone from A, point A to point B. Mm. And ultimately, that's our job. I'm in a high-performance space or athletic performance, so I work with the various coaches and, and people within my department. I guess I play an in- integral role in being the conduit between athletic performance and, and the football side of things or rugby side of things, you know, sorry for the vernacular. And then, and then the players' performance. So absolutely, the performance so certainly. So what's the difference now between, um, so you've been through the professional game in rugby and you've seen various different levels of uh, coaching. What distinguishes high-performance coaching, do you think? Where do you see that happening? Well, that's a really good question. I think when every coach starts out, they're probably coaching at a junior level and then they go through the ranks and then ultimately probably over, I guess, incremental improvement and success over a long period of time. Um, leads them to being exposed to an environment. It's just probably the time and pressure constraints that difference in a high-performance environment. Um, ultimately, probably a little bit more black and white, the results. You know, you're not a development program. The results are very binary, uh, at, particularly in those major tournaments. And so they probably lay bare your frailties and your strengths, um, I suppose, as well, if you have success. So for me, that's probably what high-performance coaching, high-performance um, setting entails. It just means the pressure and, I guess, the, the time to perform um, is a little bit different. You talked about incremental improvements. So give me an example of an incremental improvement. Uh, we have varying age groups in our playing cohort from age of 17 to 34, but we're not expecting the 17-year-old player to have the same physical or skill set as a person who's 34. But as they progress through the program um, over a period of time, you'd like them to improve their physical, technical, tactical and, and skill qualities and even probably their psychological or mental skills. One, because it probably shows you that you're improving them. And, and two, that's going to obviously lead to a better performance and outcome. So you're giving a whole range of different uh, aspects to a an athlete. 
we could dig into each one individually. Where do you get the biggest bang for your buck when you are coaching? Well, for me, it's probably athletic performance, so the physical, um, but trying to intertwine that with the with the skill and technical. I think I played rugby uh, for a long period of time, but I don't think I was very successful at it because I probably did those things in isolation. So for me, it's all about integrating as many physical qualities into the training environment and then tying that to tactical and technical development and then tying it to their, I guess, own personal identity of how they want to play and then and then I suppose the mental aptitude of, of for us, our game's pretty ruthless and, and tough. So trying to, I guess, expose the athlete to that type of environment so they're ready to perform at that level. It sounds great on paper. How does that look in practice? <laughs> Which part of practice? What? what where, well, what I, I mean, you're saying that you want to intertwine all these things together. And uh, I, I think we're all saying here, this sounds fantastic. What would that look like for an elite athlete? Oh, it just means from, you know, the Monday morning or the first session of the week to whether it be Friday afternoon or Saturday, ensuring that we've covered all those bases. Bases we're meticulously planned. They've got an individual performance plan, plus I guess an understanding of where we're going in our certain phases of cycles, particularly where we're trying to peak them to perform, and then obviously trying to mitigate against injury, but also I suppose build team cohesion. Getting them, we're a team sport, we're not an individual sport, so the ability to train and play with each other is pretty important. And then we're massively data driven, so understanding what the data is telling me, and then I can only deal with the hand that I've been dealt from that data and then trying to get them towards the best opposite, best, I guess, position by the end of the week. So give us an uh, example of what might be on someone's individual development plan then. Yeah, it might be they've got to improve their catch pass or their acceleration with the ball in the hand or their, or their defensive tracking. So for defensive tracking, the big one is lower body power and I guess reactive strength. So being able to be dynamic. So, you know, their strength work in the gym to their plyometric continuum, to their flexibility, to what we're doing with their hip and trunk control, to what warm-up drills they're doing to prepare them for those sessions, to then what speed, power, those type of qualities are we actually exposing them to them in the environment and then reviewing that. Did they get better? Are you seeing transference to the field? A, a player is going to have some things which are going to improve really quickly. Going to suggest that catch pass isn't going to improve in a week. What would be a reasonable time to say, right, okay, I'm now going to look at the data on your catch pass and see if you've improved? Yeah, well, I think that there's probably four elements to it, isn't it? There's probably the technical skill elements of breaking that down. You know, what, and that's the coach's job, I suppose. What are the kinematics or biomechanics of their passing? What's their setup? So ingraining that and then exposing it to, I suppose, speed, chaos and fatigue. You know, that's what a game of sevens is. What, so, what you, sorry, yeah. can I just ask you quickly, what do you mean by ingrain? So uh, some some people will be thinking in, how do I ingrain some what might be thought as a habit. I might be saying the wrong thing there, but... Yeah, no, no, you, you're, you're, along, you're along the right um, path. I think that you, you started this question with a really good point. Is like certain people develop in different rates, but you're looking at simple mechanics and skill execution of the raw skill of passing in that sense or the catch and the pass and breaking down those mechanics. And once you feel confident, they've got confidence of that or they can actually execute that, I guess, seamlessly time and time again in a closed environment, you're then trying to expose them to speed chaos and fatigue, which obviously add different elements to the mean being able to execute that skill. You talked about tough, uh, because obviously when you are in a an elite performance game, the things are going to be tough. How do you make it tough and make it realistically tough without, to use a, a term we've probably come across, beasting the players? Maybe we do need to beast the players. How do we make it uh, a high performance feel so it replicates the game? Yeah, I think it's important. First of all, we don't definitely need to beast them. I think, though, what we need to be clear about is that performance and welfare is a very delicate balance that you're walking along and you certainly want to take them to the edge, but you don't want to take them over the edge. And so 
And that might be through fatigue. It might be through the constraints of the drill. It might be just through the length or the number of sessions that you create in a week or the intensity of training. But you're trying to manipulate that to ultimately, as I said, take them to the edge, but definitely not over it because ultimately you want them to come back with a, with a desire and an appetite to want to consistently be better. Um, I think that's the key. Right. So we got, you said, mentioned two things there, uh, fatigue and constraints. So let's just talk about fatigue. I mean, as easy as making them tired out and then getting to perform, or is there something more that you do? Oh, no, I think there's different types of fatigue, isn't there? So decision-making is fatiguing, the mental execution of a skill. You've just touched upon it, physical. There's different physical qualities. It's a contact sport. So is it contact fatigue or is it running fatigue? They're all obviously play a part in it. And then we might expose them to playing against boys, which are obviously different challenges as well, a little bit faster, a little bit different type of player, or you want to manipulate the number of players on the field. So they all, I guess, influence fatigue and decision-making and those, I guess, peripheral stuff that, that leads to a player's ability to execute. So that, I guess, is what we try and do in the environment in a safe space, particularly psychologically safe, so they can feel that they can be vulnerable enough to fail. And as I said, come back the next day and be better, but certainly challenging them. If they're not stimulated, they're not going to grow. So that's an important part of it. Do players come off the field fatigued and disappointed and then you are having to find a way to pick them up again? Yeah, absolutely. Some days that's part of it, isn't it? I think if you go, you know, there's a lot of teams vying to win an Olympic gold medal and not everyone wins. Obviously, our group won in 216, became fifth in, in 2021. But I think being able to be there for them and supportive once you've left the field, listening, hearing, guess gaining insights on, on what they felt and what they experienced and then how they can be better or you know, reviewing that session. Ultimately, that's what coaching is. As I said at the start, it's about leading a person from point A to B. And growth is not linear. I said, I think I use the word incremental. And it's okay to have a down day or a, or a tough session and or tough moments within that session. But being able to reflect and grow from that's, I think, an important part. So that's the role of the coach once you left the field is to help support them, help them recover, and then help them review and reflect and hopefully come back a better player the next day or the next session that day. When a player is disappointed, is there a mechanic or a process that you go through to build them back up or do you have um you sort of it's different for every single player no it's different for every player i think we're all different we're all human beings and we all relate and respond to different type of things so no it's very different it's not a one-size-fits-all model i think that's important otherwise you are just coaching from a textbook you're not coaching the person and the athlete. So you've definitely got to build relationships with them and then being able to understand, I guess, what motivates them, what what type of um, support that they need in that moment. You know, those emotional intelligence and soft skills are incredibly important. I think we always say it, the technical stuff of coaching is quite easy, you know, in the sense that I think there's a lot of incredibly good coaches out there, whether it be at the amateur professional or high performance level, but being able to cipher through that stuff and, and have really good um, relationships and understanding of your athletes is probably what the differential is from the great coaches to the good ones. Our expectation of high performance coaching is that it looks like something different from normal coaching, something which I, I mentioned before. For you, what would you say with the main differences or are they very subtle and it really actually depends on the players? I think it's very, very subtle. I think, though, as I touched upon, it's probably just the outcome's different. There's probably, in high-performance environments, it's very binary. You either win or you lose, and that's what probably your success is judged upon. Whereas if you're in a development program, it's about improving the player and results. Might You might have an extended period of time to perform. But I feel like there's probably just a little bit more tension, a little bit more pressure, and I guess the speed at which things move in high-performance environments are different. So when I first started out, obviously, I was a young coach developing, so... Um, it's certainly a shock to the system when you step into that, that 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 realm. But then 
you know, it also becomes incredibly enriching and rewarding. It's, um, I think the great all-black Dan Carter said, pressure is a privilege. And I think in high-performance coaching, that's certainly something you learn to live with. Yeah, I've heard that expression uh, plenty of times and uh, from some rugby players, and they, they enjoy the, the competition. So you've uh, obviously been on a journey like any coach. And what's, what's changed in terms of your approach to your coaching to allow you to be more effective now with uh, the groups that you're working with? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, you can take your career really, really seriously, but not yourself too seriously. So I've probably softened in my approach to, I guess, managing people and humans. So that's first and foremost, like build really good relationships and then probably just unbending around my belief of how the game, how I physically should prepare the athletes for the game. That's probably... No, sorry, you just, sorry, you said, sorry, I'm just going to pick up on that point. So what's changed in the preparation of athletes then for you? I think that they're particularly at the high performance environment, there are no limits. I think we've seen, you know, particularly post-COVID era, we've seen some incredible sporting feats. But I think that's the most important thing is was we probably push place or put limits on ourselves or limitations. So probably kind of break down that stigma that first and foremost, there are no limits. And then cultivating wherever that athlete may lie within that sphere and, and getting the best out of them to be fulfill their limits. Now that now that point might be for one athlete very different to another. But I think my job is to maximise their potential so that they can uh, achieve their sporting dreams. I like the term "there are no limits," but I don't understand what a limit could be on a on a player. Uh, I mean, let let's say uh, Usain Bolt is um, a limit. Might you can't run more than nine point eight six? That might be a limit. What what are the sort of limits that you're trying to break with the players that you are? And apologies, oh. Usain Bolt, because I think you ran faster, by the way. No, no, no. I think you did cut you did cut him off a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> I think ultimately for us, we won fifty out of fifty-five games last year, World Series, Commonwealth Games, World Cup. So it's like how good can you be? You know, we start a new season, can we win again? Can you be better? It might be physical improvement, it might be your spat, you might be your speed, it might be your power, it might be your running capacity. But but how great can you be? Are you aspiring to be something bigger and higher than yourself? Are you trying to be the greatest athlete or the greatest team that's played the game? So for me, those type of thoughts are inspiring you to not have limits. And that's probably where we where we sort of delve into a little bit. Very abstract term, great. How It must be different for different people. You you have um, individual development plans. Um, and obviously, it's not one thing which is going to make you great. It's a great range of things. How can these people feel that they're great? Because you, not everyone can be the great. I mean, you're going to lose some games. You're not going to have, you're not going to be the best player on the team. How do you help them make that very sort of hard to hold on to idea? I mean, you can puff up a player very easily, yet they know in their heart of hearts, they're not necessarily that player. How do you do that? Yeah, I think team sports, the most important thing is, is that it's the team success. And as an individual, you know, we're the sum of those, you know, sorry, as a team, we're the sum of those individuals. So ultimately, team success is probably what we're seeking. Individual glory is a byproduct of that. But greatness comes from the team having success. You might be player 16 or 17, but how hard you push at training and how hard you try and work to be better actually inspires the upper level as well. So that's what we define greatness as. It's the best version of yourself. It, 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 it might mean something different to each an individual within that group but particularly around the team environment like how good can you help another person be for us to have team success so that's probably where we I think shape the greatness we can't I guess influence what people think of us and and, and how great we will be in, in history in terms of success but what we can control is I guess as I touched upon earlier being better every day around that stuff and seeking to be better which will then hopefully allow us to uh, I mean history will write what they write about us but hopefully we can continue to push forward from a Player point of view, you can measure your faster, stronger, 
maybe some of the stats around uh, the length of your pass or the power in your tackle. How do you measure whether the team is growing? Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately that's a really good point. I think you've got a few barometers, isn't there? There's, you know, there's a cultural piece again. How do you measure that? There's their enjoyment. So how do you how do you measure that? It's a good question. I think. You know, are they staying on? Are they enjoying the program? Are they turning up with a good attitude, wanting to be better every day? Are they loving each other's company on tour? Are they enjoying each other's company and celebrating the successes? Are they celebrating other people's successes within the team? And then I think it comes back to their intrinsic motivation. I think Sevens is an incredibly hard sport. And I think Tim Walsh, our head coach, does an incredible job at it. But, you know, you've got to enjoy the process around that of being better, which will then allow you to, uh, I suppose, um, you know, continue on in your own development and, and, and self-growth. So that's probably the biggest one. The environment will dictate how you go performance-wise and how stimulated and enjoyable it is for the individual. So that's probably, I think, a pretty good barometer of how we measure that type of set success. And then there's obviously data you know, longitudinally, uh, which we which we use to track athlete development, you know, from a skill, from a technical, tactical, and obviously then how do they perform in games? That's the greatest thing from my end is are they transferring stuff we're doing in the gym to, to the field? And that probably is a, is a good indicator of success. Excellent. Well, Tom, we, we've done a brilliant job just starting to delve into a bit of high-performance coaching. We're going to finish there. Uh, Tom played uh, professional rugby, captained the Australian Super Rugby team, the World Task. He's worked as a high-performance coach across numerous sports, including cricket and rugby. His philosophy is, and we've probably got that a lot out out of what we've been talking about, is physical performance utilises a comprehensive understanding of sports science, psychological uh, psychology of behavioural change and elite sports performance, yet recognises that more is necessary for supreme athletic excellence. Essentially underpinning all the above is the human element about forming a lifelong relationship with the athlete, a genuine relationship based on the exact needs of an individual athlete and what it takes to help them excel to the best of their athletic and human capacity. You can contact him on LinkedIn. Uh, if you typed in human performance, he's at humanperformancetc or tom.carter at rugby.com.au. I'm going to ask a couple of questions. And I know this one's the, the first one is the one you enjoy the most. How old are you, Tom? Uh, I'm 40 in a month's time. 40 in a month. Okay. So yeah. uh, when you listen to this, he may have turned into his 40th year. What's, what coaching book is by your bedside? I'm actually currently reading Deep Work by Al. Somebody. Come back to that no, yeah, that's right. Sorry. So, okay, that's fine. I mean, uh, sometimes uh, I find that I'm reading a book and I think this is fantastic, but I can't remember the title or the the name of the book. <laughs> you, you I'll, I'll, I'll message you it after. But no, it's good. It's, it's about being mindful and it's about creating workspaces where you can have deep, meaningful work. So it's good. Less distractions. That's probably what I need. Right. Okay. Uh, which coach teacher are you loving at the moment? Uh, sorry, what was that? Which coach teacher are you loving at the moment? Coach or teacher are you loving at the moment? Oh, I'm really All right, tell you what I'm going to do. Tom, Tom, what I'm going to do is uh, we'll restart these quick fire questions because yeah. uh, I've, uh, I've hammered it a bit. Okay. We'll finish with a couple of questions. Tom, how old are you? 40. 40. What coaching book is by your bedside? I don't have one at the moment. I'm, I'm reading uh, a couple of various ones off my, my iPad, but uh, one about ultra marathon running and then the other one about deep work around uh, how to be more mindful and present. But I'll, uh, I'm happy to email you through the, both of them, the names. Right. Okay. Which coach or teacher are you loving at the moment? Yeah, I'm fascinated by Bill Belichick in the NFL. Obviously, New England Patriots have missed four, four playoffs in a row. Really intrigued. How does he, I guess, make some off-season changes and then reinvigorate himself? Or is he at the age of 70? Is it, is it too far too gone? So, um, yeah, really interested. 
there's there's uh, there's hope for us all yet uh which team sport subject would you love to coach at the moment oh, i'm very happy where i am 18 months from the olympics with the australian women's sevens team i'm pretty excited about what what lies ahead up into paris 24 cool who's inspired you most uh, my mum and dad and my wife, probably just the ability to work really, really hard and I guess um, stand for something in life is probably the most important thing. So, yeah, those three people. Yeah. And uh, what would you tell your 20-year-old self to do more of? That youth's wasted on the youth, but I wish I'd, I'd listened more to my coaches and I wish I'd worked a lot harder. Um, I think post-rugby, 10 years now, um, I think the, the, the ability for someone to work a lot harder when they're younger um, will hold them in better stead. So, yeah, I probably my one regret i didn't listen to my coaches enough and i didn't work hard enough yeah so if you're young and listening in that's a lesson for you my son <laughs> listen brilliant tom thanks very much really enjoyed that and loads of gold out of that so thanks very much thank you very much for having me 